Welcome to the Listics AFL podcast, where we analyze AFL list building, free agency, trade, and the draft. We're also working to help everyone achieve their best possible mental health, and we'd like to acknowledge our podcast partners, Beyond Blue. If you're feeling low, anxious, or you need to talk to someone, please contact the team at Beyond Blue. You can call them anytime on 1300 22 46 36, or visit them at the website at www.beyondblue.org.au. Now, without further ado, I'm John Van Norden. And I'm Sean Lewis, and it's Listics Podcast Time. John Z, how are we doing? Going well, brother. How are you? Good. Good to be back on the decks after um, a little bit of a week of um, us trying to trying to get in here. We're we're still we're still going to make it happen, um, even if it is after a, a long day and a long night. Um, we'll, we'll get there. We'll get through it, mate. Yeah, yeah, I know. Apologies uh, to everyone out there. We um, unfortunately the last week and a bit we've just not had good schedules or schedules and um both work schedules yeah. schedules whatever however are you a schedules it. or a schedules man schedules or schedules schedules normally okay just the ochre coming out in me yeah it's the uh, the schedule schedule yeah i'm a schedule um, guy yeah um yeah no look just been yeah just been busy with everything really uh, lately so um it is good to be back and it's actually been an interesting club we're looking at um yeah before we dive in i guess um back in lockdown that's probably the big topic i think i think between when we last spoke and today um victoria went back into lockdown and obviously new south wales has entered their third week of lockdown i think so um half the country all locked up at the moment um how are you doing yeah, I've gone okay. I think SA might be locked down as well at the moment. Um, Ooh, did I yeah, miss that? I think that happened today. Um, yeah, I, I'm going okay. Um, I think that I had a little bit of anxiety over the weekends. Um, still to do with the fact that, I mean, I've been trying to put myself out of my comfort zone since last year and write a book. Um, and I'm a terrible writer, so it's very hard. And it's a fiction book as well, so it's making it even harder because it's I'm playing to all of my weaknesses. Um, but it's uh, yeah, it gave me a little bit of anxiety recently. I think because I started reading more in the genre, um, and it took away a lot of my ideas. Um, Maybe just start thinking about the way that other people had written things. So um, I was putting a lot of pressure on myself. I think I was mentioning to somebody on Twitter the other day, um, I worked out a little um, hack for myself, which was to go and just sprint uh, around the block, Um, not run, not jog, but go full bore um, and get like, get my heart rate up as high as it possibly could, drive as much blood through my body as I possibly could, build up some lactic acid in a very short period of time. and that seemed to help get me out of that little lag um, that I was having and a lull. Um, and I'm probably still in it a little bit. Like, it, I think it just took the edge off it. Um, but I think until my creative juices are flowing again, um, I'll still feel that, like, I really want to be doing more. Uh, but that's okay. That's that's part of life. Um, yeah. how, how are you traveling? Yeah, look... Um... 
kind of just keeps on going. <laughs> no, it's just been just been busy time for us. We're just, um, just getting very close to putting the house on the market. So it's all the anyone who's done it knows all the last minute touches, um, which you're well aware of. So um, yeah, we're just just kind of plowing through all that stuff at the moment. So probably <clears throat> very occupied and busy. Um, so don't really have a lot of time to dwell on my thoughts, I guess, at the moment, um, which isn't normal, <clears throat> isn't really normal for me. Um, I do usually like, uh, like sitting out on my nice back deck that's been built and enjoying a, a beverage of choice, depending on the time of the day. And, um, but yeah, no, look, it's, it's just been one of those times where we're kind of just head down, bum up and get through it. And, um, I think probably like a lot of people, the, I guess the anxiety piece at the moment, not noticing so much in our household, but certainly noticing it more, um, in public, I think you definitely feel, it feels a bit different at the moment, I guess, like just in my interactions, um, outside of home, um, that I have had on, you know, if it's running into a neighbor whilst walking and, um, you know, kind of having a two meter yell at each other, um, through masks and everything. But yeah, it's just interesting. I think this time it does feel, I think everyone's a bit anxious just because we're so, you know, there is a path out of here. Um, we just got to get our hands on the vaccines and, um, you know, get them in arms and we can return to, whatever the new normal looks like. Um, and, and that, I think that anxiety is weighing on people a lot in that, you know, it's so close, you can almost taste it and you're just not quite there. So I think, um, hopefully some good news around the corner. It sounds like, um, we're getting more of, um, uh, the, Pfizer. We're getting Pfizer. I think it's sooner. Yeah. I think that it's the same amount of Pfizer, but sooner. Um, And they've got the Moderna coming after it and the Novavax. And we've got abundant supplies of AstraZeneca. So, um, yeah. I think that there wasn't. um, I was speaking to some of our US colleagues uh, late last week and they were just saying, one of the things that happened there, and I guess it happened there because the pandemic was rampant, um, was that people weren't even talking about what vaccine you got or what vaccine there was. It was just people were going down and getting vaccinated. That every like that was the important thing was everybody going down. I think yeah. because we were in a really a state where we were had it we felt like we had it quite under control it was pretty easy to go well let's let's go for absolute optimal um rather than potentially just give let's all get vaccinated and get this thing over as soon as possible um and that'll that'll hopefully with the influx of new vaccines dissipate i think you just realize i guess you know without wanting to put opinions on it at all but you know i guess as a bit of a lesson in marketing, essentially, you, you just see like the power of um, the government's interactions with media and importantly getting the right information out there. Yep. Um, you know, I think that Australia, we, we're in a lucky position where we have been able to be selective and 
say that the risks of certain vaccines are potentially not worth it, but um, it's a very luxurious position to be in that. And um, part of that anxiety around it is driven by just poor messaging and, and, and I guess the, the story around each of these vaccines um, and it's just interesting to like look at it and go, well, you know, if they had played it slightly differently and, you know, like cause just talking to people about it, it's quite interesting the perspective like you hear and just like some of the information they repeat back to you and you're like, don't think that's true. But, <laughs> but then it's like, you know, like, I, I, like I'm not a doctor um you're not a doctor and and like i'm in no position to give people medical advice and but when you hear something and you're like well that doesn't sound particularly correct um yeah you know maybe go talk to a doctor about it which you know i don't know about you but i've certainly spoken to my doctor about uh, about getting vaccinated yep yep um we've had a good chat and um certainly you know they're able to provide a hell of a lot of information and that's just the strongest recommendation I can go give to people is that if you're at all interested or if you want to understand, um, it doesn't come from a Google search. Yeah. It, come, it comes from informed medical opinion and people who have trained for 12 to 15 years to become general practitioners or specialists in various different fields of medicine. So, yep. I totally, totally agree with that. Um, I would say it's like almost as well people online are getting a um, a crash course in referencing um, because the amount of people who now when I see a post could be to do with anything, it could be from either side of politics, if it's political, it could be anything. People are saying, what's your, like, what's your source? Like, where do you get, where did you get that information? Have you checked that? Um, about everything. Um, positive, as I said, positive and negative. Um, and people that are good at it are always like, here is the snippet of information. Here is the link where you can go do some more reading to inform yourself. Um, rather than just saying this happened, it's like, how do, what, how are you suggesting that happened? Why are you saying that happened? So hopefully, I mean, as far as our online interaction goes, that starts to improve things as people start actually having to have sources. Um, I mean, we know this in AFL media land, there's a lot of, um, my sources tell me enter speculation here, enter wild, <laughs> enter wild rampant speculation. And the, just because you said my sources, um, but now people are like, no, I don't trust that at all. Um, you, you either have a source, um, and you can indicate where it's from or you don't, um, yeah. which is going to be better longer term. Yeah, I think it's just interesting. Like, it's funny tying it back to, to um, to I guess football in terms of yeah, where we get our information from, and you know, both you and I have many connections inside the the industry, as I'm sure, you know, pretty much most people know a player or um, coach or physio or something or other. You know, like there's plenty of people who have connections inside AFL and you hear little bits and snippets of information and, you know, realistically it, it's only being, it's only being let out because they want it to be let out. Yep. Like that's, that's at the end of the day, like, a, 
you know, I, yeah. I just always, I always think there are some things I hear and I go, oh, who who's who stands to benefit from this? I think the exact not, same not, thing. Not that we're newsbreakers no, or anything. No, no, but no. It's, it's just an interesting bit. Like when it gets passed down the chain, you're like, yeah, really? Is that I, really going to help? I remember having a um, a conversation with a recruiting manager pre-draft, and them telling me all of the players that they were interested in and the players that they definitely weren't interested in. Uh, and they drafted the player that they definitely weren't interested in over all the players that they speculatively were interested in. I think that that was more of a, like they know that we're speaking to people trying to understand the draft better, um, trying to improve our insights. And if we can trade information, false information out for them, then that potentially improves their position. It was just, it was a, it's exactly how it happens, as you said. The information you get is the information that they're happy for you to know. Yeah. Um, whatever level you are, it's very rare that there's an insight which is truly unique and you're not supposed to know this, but... Yeah, and I think it's even like even when you go back and break down like some of the stories like the Adelaide uh, camp and that sort of stuff that they talk about... Um, like it's not so much who benefits out of that story it's you know why is it coming to light and it's obviously for that it's about telling the side of the story of the people impacted by it and the trauma of it of that you know and it's it's important but again there is there is a reason why it's coming out it's it's always important to understand that reason and when you can it, it allows you to kind of assess whether information is really you know is this accurate or is it not yeah. Um, like, yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few good examples I could roll off, but I won't. But, <laughs> um, anyway, into today's uh, podcast, um, a club I watch actually quite closely um, in Port Adelaide and, and a, um, a very fascinating side, aren't they, John? Yeah, they are. I mean, as, as far as a... I mean, they're doing well. Um, Port Adelaide really have over the past two to three years made some good decisions and have been able to get into a position while they're at the top four at the moment and they finished top four last year. So they're well-placed to attack this year as well. But um, yeah, pretty interesting build with a few pros and cons. We're looking forward to digging into it. Do you want to take us through the profile? Yeah, absolutely. So um, average age uh, is 24.4, so the eighth oldest in the AFL. Uh, average games is 69.6, which is the fifth highest overall. So I guess looking at that, you, you can see that um, probably they've got a, a skewing of players probably under 26. More of their list is under 26, being that they're around eighth in the AFL, but they've certainly got a hell of a lot of guys with, you know, two, 300 games up the top end, um, which is why their, their average games will be so high. So then when we dig into the actual demographics, we find they've got eight players. So 19% of their list accounting for uh, over, over the age of 30 who account for almost 50% of their games. So 49%, uh, seven players between 26 and 30. Um, so 16% of their list accounting for 22.4% of their games total. Um, 13 players between 22 and 26, so 30% of their list is in that bracket, 
accounting for 770 games. So this is a little quirk. That's this. These guys are one of the sides that has more games in the 22 to 26 bracket than the bracket above. Um, and that, that accounts for 22.8 of their overall games. They got 15 players under 22. So 35% of the list is under 22. Um, and they have almost, they have 100, 195 games or almost 6%, 5.8% of um, games in there, which is, again, it's a very high number compared to the list we've seen recently. And, yeah. and very different to the one we're going to look at next week as well, which is, you know, almost opposite ends of this one. But I think, um, I think looking through it and as I was kind of working through the list and seeing, you know, who's got the games and where they all sit, like you start looking that under 22, you know, we're talking Rosie, Dersma, Butters. That's that really great draft. Bergman, pick 14. Mitch Georgiadis, pick 19. 18? Yeah, 18? 19. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking like, you know, Rosie, five, um, Butters, 12, Dersma, 18. You have a look. So five players under the age of 22 account for of those 195 games, they count for 169 of them. And, yep. and they're five, you know, top 20 draft picks. And and really, you see the power of those, excuse the pun, you see the power of the, the um, of those early picks and getting them right. And when you get them right, Port Adelaide's been able to rebuild on the run. Because if you have a look at some of their older players and some of their kind of 26 to 30 players, um, you know, they're, they've all been around or, you know, been on their list a while and, you know, potentially this was going to be a list that will middle out at eighth and, and kind of be a bit like, sorry, North Melbourne, but a bit like what North Melbourne did for kind of three or four years where they were there and about and then, you know, fell in a heap. Um, but they've been able to rebuild on the run with some really astute um, trading, so trading out guys like Wingard and stuff. Um, pulling back, you know, guys like Burton as well as draft picks in the process. So um, it's a very, it's a very fascinating list, and I think it's it's very, um, it's very well balanced from an age profile wise. Yep. But you would, I'd probably just say that you know, compared to the clubs they're competing against, with probably the exception of Melbourne, um, I think they're they're lacking in that. Oh, actually, no, probably even Melbourne. Melbourne's probably got less players over thirty, but more in that twenty six to thirty bracket. So yeah. That's really that bracket twenty six to thirty is where they're probably different to a lot of cult clubs around them. Yeah, and the twenty six to thirty bracket's interesting for them as well because they have, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in more detail. But they have a lot of not consistently best twenty two players in that twenty six to thirty bracket. So, yeah. like Cleary, Mays, um, Trent McKenzie, Leanit. Um, they've got some older guys than that that are over 30 as well that are in that bracket um, that aren't locked in. Like, they're not absolute, like, you don't look at them and go, yeah, 100% of the time that person's in the team. Yeah, in form, they sit somewhere between maybe 16th or 18th. And yeah, 16 to 26. 26. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, not saying they're not best 22 in form, but they're also not locked in the best 22. Yep. Um, and just looking at their depth chart. Um, they're reasonably well balanced, uh, and look, some of their midfielders also contribute should contribute to this forward number, but don't. So they have four key forwards, five general forwards, seventeen midfielders, 
three rucks, eight general defenders, and six key. De- sorry, six key defenders. Um, I think that one of the things that the um, AFL uh, distribution of players has done over the last twelve months is remove mid forward as a role um, and couple them all with midfielders or all into general forwards. But it means that guys like Robbie Gray are listed as a midfielder when, I mean, he probably is like, that's probably the description of a midfielder, but he definitely spends a fair chunk of his time forward as well. So it's not a, it's not as bad a distribution when you look at that depth chart as potentially what it looks like where you've only got nine forwards. They are deeper than that. Um, But a lot of them are running through the middle. Um, I think well, I think probably just as a bit of a note to listeners with this, I mean, we've been using these AFL um, rankings for a while and obviously got picked up in the Brisbane podcast that, you know, potentially they had, I think they had six listed rucks, but really like Fullerton and um, Ballenden are probably not rucks. Um, and it's probably the same here. So we'll keep using this system for the rest of the year because it's what we've always used and it makes it consistent the way we're comparing teams. But maybe moving on to next year, we might have a bit of a look at if there's a different system. Maybe maybe a hybrid model because I think that what happens is that we use that, which is what contributes to things like super coach rankings, like where a player is distributed based upon where they spent the most time in their previous year. But that doesn't always happen for where they're going to spend time. Um, so, for example, um, in Supercoach, I think that Fantasia uh, is listed as a midfielder slash... I mean, forward slash... Yeah, it. forward defender. And he's not a defender and he's not going to play defense. Um, and that, we know that's not going to happen. So we, we can correct a few of those going forward. But you're right, we'll use this for this year. Um, key changes looking at what happened in the off season last year. Um, there are delistings and retirements uh, where Joe Atley, Wiley Buzzer, Tobin Cox, Brad Ebert, Riley Grundy, Jake Patmore, and Cam Sutcliffe um, also retired. So Brad Ebert retired, but also retired were Justin Westoff and Jack Watts. Um, in the off season, some of the acquisitions they made where they brought in Aliyah Aliyah for a 2020 second round pick. Uh, that, Great trade. Yeah, it was a good trade. Um, a player that's going to be really valuable for them when he's playing in the right spot um, on the field. Um, Arazio Fantasia and pick 73. They uh, sent out pick 29 and a 2021 third round pick for that. Essendon did pretty well out of that deal. If, but I mean, if, if Raz can stay if, fit. If he plays finals, um, then he's worth it because he's a really dangerous player forward or center um, and definitely works well for them. Um, I think the injuries that they have at the moment to that position is particularly frustrating for them. They need a few of them back. Yep. Um, yep. They made a few pick swaps. Um, so out 34 in 38 and a 2021 fourth, out 44 in 46 and a 2020 fourth. Uh, uh, and they also drafted Lockie Jones. Um, he was an NGA player at pick 16. Uh, and then Ollie Lord with pick 49, which was a nice development player for them. Yeah. Um, Lockie Jones is a, you know, I guess it's one of the luxuries when you go in with a really good NGA player. I mean, the, under the system this year, they wouldn't have got him, I don't think. No, first no. round NGA player. So, um, I mean, it's great they've got him and he, he'll be... a 
bit of a star for the future. Um, and I guess looking to that, looking at their key players, and this is where you actually see the really nice transition in their list through the key players. So Boak, Wines, Dixon, Lysette and Gray are the key players we see now. And probably especially, you know, um, Boak, Dixon um, and Gray. Wines is certainly, you know, really important to them. It's interesting with Lysette. You see how much he adds, even though he may not be a superstar ruck. He certainly... Um, he certainly improves them. Um, and then for the future, um, Dersma, Butters, Georgiades, Rosie, and Laddams. So you can just see there, there's just a nice transition, you know, Gray to Rosie, Lysette to Laddams, Dixon to Georgiades, um, and then Dersma and Butters to provide the, I guess, the creativity moving forward um, that they'd lose from kind of Boak. Um, Wines will still obviously be there. Um, I think he's only 27, 26. Yeah, be 27, 26, same age as Viney. Yeah, 20, 20, yeah, he's almost 27. So, um, Yeah, so, I mean, look, like going forward into the future, you know, it's fantastic for them um, to have this youth. But And, and we'll touch on this in the issues. But, you know, obviously now and looking for success now being top four now, um, they kind of need the youth to be playing like they're a little bit older and they need to keep the the oldies on the park and firing at 100%. So, yeah. Best 22. Um, do you want to walk us through it, Johnny? Yeah, and it's worth noting that they've got a fair few injuries, so we'll cover off the injuries after we've gone through their current best 22. Um, so rolling from the back line, Bergman, Jonas, McKenzie, Burn jones Alia, and Leanett across the middle. Amon, Wines, and Houston with Lysette, Drew, and Boak in the ruck. On the half-forward line, Mays, Georgiatis, Power Pepper, and full-forward line, Laddams, Dixon, and Motlop on the exchange, Woodcock, Burton, Hartlett, and Bonner. Um, injuries is probably the big one for them just because so many of them come from a player in the same role. Um, Fantasia, Gray, Butters, Rosie, really all of those guys play that half forward, forward pocket slash mid. So they're, they're definitely lacking that at the moment. Um, Dersma uh, can also play that role. So also not in the side. Um, Jones and Rockcliffe are also injured. And really, I think most of those players, even Jones, but mo- like removing Jones, most of those players would have claims to being best 22, all of them except for Rockcliffe and Jones would be guaranteed best 22, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's so- also probably worth noting, you know, we're also, we've left out Cleary and Marshall who are both, you know, best 22 quality, but, you know, sitting on the fringes. Um, and then just to really emphasize the youth, they've also got Dill Williams and Mead sitting outside here as well, who are also um, top 25 draftees 25 and 23 or 23 and 25 i think yeah there's something like that and i mean they're both reasonable prospects as well so Dill williams broke through for his first game um this year Mead probably would have if it wasn't for injuries but is potentially like a long-term replacement for a few of those older mids um that are running through there and it's a it's really interesting i probably didn't think that I know that Port still rely on a lot of their older players. I probably didn't think that they had much of a future after those older players retired. But just with some of the drafting that they've made in the last few years, they've sort of bypassed probably what I thought was going to be a down few years for them. Yeah, um, and, 
and okay. and and I think that ties in well to kind of one of my good points, which was the list has undergone a, a really good rebuild on the fly, and and it's working. You can sit here and look at the list, and you can clearly see, you know, the future in front of them. Um, but the problem is, is they're in the they're in the window now as well. So it's kind of that real challenging thing for Hinkley and and his coaching group to get everything kind of working because. Unfortunately, when you've got kind of a list that's caught between um, being young and being old, no matter how good the young part is, the trap is that you you can't you may unless everything kind of meshes together perfectly, you probably won't get there. So it's yeah. you know you go back and you think like the baby bombers, the two thousand eight Hawks, you know these guys had older players, you know like you. Um, like using the Hawks example, they had like Crawford and those sorts of blokes, as well as you know um, guys who are a bit younger. You know, Buddy and uh, Ruffy were only what three or four years after their draft, so yeah. you know, still low twenties. Um, and you see, it's a bit rare for a team like that to do it. These guys can do it; they've got the talent and the skill. Game plan, maybe is another issue, but they definitely can do it. Um, but it's going to take everything to get them all on the same page. But at the same time, the dip won't be big and then they'll be back up climbing. And if they keep drafting the way they've been drafting, um, you know, I think there's, you know, blue skies in front of them. So, um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think probably the only thing that's, um, hot potentially, I think we've talked about this, but holding them back from being that really well-balanced list that is r- completely ripe is the fact that there's going to be some players in that middle-age bracket that aren't really top best 22 that are getting paid quite a bit, um, yeah. which sort of prevents, like you need those guys to be best 22 um, and, and making a difference week in, week out. You can't have them being fringe players. So yeah. need to fix that. Um the, the good, I mean, top four for the second year running. I mentioned that a bit earlier in the podcast as well. Um, it's not an easy feat um, being at the top for a long period of time. So they're doing well to maintain that. And if they can keep it to the end of the year, then they're as good a shot as anybody. Um, <laughs> I know that this year we sort of see that there's a clear top six and maybe even a clear top three within that top six. Um, but Porter there, and they've been knocking on the door all year. So... Um, you only have to be there and you only have to play four, three or four good weeks of footy um, to come away with the flag. So yep. they're in the right spot um, and they've been able to use their list um, in a really smart way as well. I mean, we talked about this a little bit with what some other clubs should do, but the fact that they've been able to recruit someone like Tyson Goldsack, he's on the list, um, but he's playing really uh, operating as a development coach Um so that just keeps him under the um, under Football the salary budget. cap. Yeah. yeah, it keeps him under the salary cap rather than under the soft cap. Yeah. Um, so smart because you don't need every single spot on your list, um, it, especially if you're trying to win right now. So it's just good money management. Um, really well yep. done. Yeah, and they look, and I think what we kind of said before, you can see the transition. So they've got. They've got really good depth in key position forwards, um, even once Dixon retires. So you take out Dixon, you know, Georgiadas, um, Marshall and Laddams uh, yep. come in. So, you know, that's three decent key positions. Obviously, Georgiades is the probably the heir apparent. Um, 
But I think, yeah, there's... I guess it really comes up for their list management team. It'd be really, it'd be really fascinating to be a fly on the wall for their list management team because it's really going to come down to: do you go full win now mode at the end of the year? Say they, say they, you know, make it to the final, the prelims, and they get knocked out. Do you go full, you know, do it now mode, or do you kind of um, just keep doing the path you're doing? Um, I'm not really sure which way I'd go at this moment in time. We'll see how they finish the season, but. It's a real fascinating kind of spot that they find themselves in. But, um, yeah, they do, they've do. they seemed to have got good planning. As we've spoken through all the youth they've got, you can see clear transitions between different players and different styles so it fits the way they play. And it's a bit more seamless, which will just carry them well into the future. The bad, so, you know, um, there's quite a few players over 26 who are probably, you know, seeing that 16 to 26 bracket that we spoke about before. So Cleary, Mays, Rockliffe, Hartlett, McKenzie, Lena, and Goldsack, who's playing really as a coach. But, you know, he's still on the list and in that. And I guess that's just, you know, we, we who we do last week? It was a Richmond. When you went through Richmond and you noticed yep. the, you know, all those players kind of over 26, like, you know, most of them are best. There's very they're few. All, they're, they're all best 22 at Richmond. I think that every one of them was... In that, like, even if they were players as good as McKenzie, like, say, uh, Nathan Broad, Nathan Broad's not an excellent player, you know? He's probably, like, would you trade Broad from Richmond for Cleary from Port? Yeah, I would. I'd rather Cleary on my list. But for some reason, Cleary is not clearly best 22 at Port. Um, and. Yeah. Broad is clearly best 22 and playing best 22 football at Richmond, which is the yeah. difference is that you have to have those guys operating best 22 level because they're not cheap. They are at the exact right level that you want for a team that's going to be highly competitive. So you need to get them playing best 22 footy. Yeah. And I mean, look like Rockcliffe is at the end of his contract now. So, you know, when they signed him, it was a four year deal and they copped a bit of flack at the, at the time for signing guys on four year deals and, you know, this is potentially why, because you know he's had probably what Rockliffe had one and a half good seasons with them. Um, yeah, yeah, maybe and, even, and, maybe even two and a half. But I mean, the third, the, the fourth year has been a write off. Yeah, and and look, part of that's injury. Oh, I think it was only one and a half because he was injured as well yeah. earlier on. So it's yeah, I mean, he's been injured and he struggled with form and everything. And look, not saying he wasn't a good pickup at the time. It made sense. Um, you know, if Boke had had a serious injury, you kind of had a, you know, replacement to support wines and stuff in there. But at the same time, you know, that's a hefty chunk of salary there. Hartlett slipped out of favour. I think injuries are just catching up to him, unfortunately. So, you know, that's a fair chunk of coin there. So, I mean, Mays and McKenzie have come off the off the rookie lists and, and delisted free agents. So, you know, probably not costing you a bomb. And that, that's that's okay. They're the sorts of players that you want to be bringing in. They're, you know, role players on, you know, potentially base money plus plus performance. Um, You're still going still to turn them into Nathan Broad, though. Like, that's... that's, well, that's McK- McKenzie's getting... McKenzie's been more than adequate this year. Like, you would... Yeah. You could... I'd be interested, actually, I'll, while we're working through the rest of these, I'll just quickly do a comparison, but yeah. Do you know um, how many games Trent McKenzie's played this year, though? 12, isn't it? He's played less than 12. Um, he's played eight games this year. So he was out of favour at the start of the year for the f- first half. 
he was playing Sandful because um, they were playing Alir Alir in the role that they were playing him for and they were playing Cluri over him, um, which is, I guess, where this problem is, is that he's even after a good year last year, he has, wasn't embedded um, in the best 22 because they made an acquisition that was embedded in the best 22, which is fair. It's a Look, it's, a, it's just a problem they need to sort out soon. It's not yeah. a problem they need to have resolved now, but then they can't be going on like this for another year. Yeah, just just looking at their direct stats comparison, so not even not looking at how they're playing in any game vision or anything. They are fairly well balanced. Yeah, pretty much bang on. You would think as substitute yeah. players. In, in fact, you you could argue that um, you could argue that Trent McKenzie is more effective this year. He's got more meters gained. He's got a slightly higher disposal efficiency. Um, yeah, yeah so, but it, it doesn't have defensive effectiveness in there. Yeah, it doesn't, the unfortunately. The yeah. defensive stats are terrible. Um, or uh, not, no, no. Not, not comprehensive is what One, I mean. Yeah, 1% is here. They have, they, have like, they have like 1% as and win-loss rate, but so much of defense is structure. Um, and like for Richmond, you can't judge uh, Vlost and Broad uh, and Grimes effectively from their stats because they play interchangeably for each other yeah. um which comes through playing regular football together um and playing under a good system which is i guess another issue to do with port is that i think all of those things are there for them um they just need to either play the players regularly or not um yeah moving moving through so i mean one of these other issues and this sort of sits um somewhere between bad and ugly. Um, I guess it overlaps with a few things and ugly. So I'm going to round back to it. One of them is that they've got, um, they've still flat track bullies. Um, that's what they've been called for, I guess, a while being able to belt down on the lower teams, but not being able to do it against the top teams. Um, and it, yeah, well, um, it's a, I mean, yeah, it's funny because the flat, I, I'm a, I don't mind the flat track bullies tag. Cause it also means you're winning. Um, so it's exactly I, right. And, yep. and it, only, it only matters. You, you only need to win enough games to get to September. And if you're in it, you're in for a chance. So, you know, it only matters if you're a flat track bully in September where you come out and belt the eighth place side and then get touched up by the, you know, the third place side or something, you know. That's the only part where that tag actually hurts you. So uh, it's an interesting one. Um, the tag sticks, unfortunately, for them because they haven't been, you know, apart from Sydney, I don't think they've defeated a top eight side in the top eight. Um, and unfortunately it does stick with you, but it, uh, I kind of think it's a bit of irrelevant, but it's interesting. Yeah. I'm the same as you, mate. I think that a lot of this stuff is irrelevant. I think it's, it's more irrelevant that Melbourne has lost to a few bottom teams. Um, I think it's more like it is more relevant that Port have lost to a few top teams, but I think it's much a muchness. Um, I, I don't think it matters who you lose to. I think that it's a sign of good sides that can beat the sides that are below them. Um, like I said that with Carlton um, a little while ago on their list review that I think they're above a lot of the sides in that middle band where they're either one loss behind or around the same mark because they consistently beat the teams below them and consistently lose to the teams above them, which just means they're developing a level of consistency at their level 
but as they get older and more experienced, that they'll take up a level and still belt the teams below them, which is how you move into that finals contention. So yep. no problem, no problems with that. I think that the ugly, um, we sort of talked about it earlier, that probably their three most important players and their captain are all over 30. Um, and that they are pl- like, they're playing some really important positions as well. Um, like key forward, um, two midfielders and key back. Um, they're all really important roles to the way that they structure up and how they manage that going forward. It's going to be hard. Yeah. And look, I guess probably the, the follow on from that is really that, um, I guess probably the concern for me has been that they just seem to lack, um, a bit of a plan B. And so like the amount of times you can think of like Robbie Gray winning it in a clinch, you know, snapping around his body in the last quarter to kind of get them a second goal ahead or something like there's just been a lot of those yeah um and now you know it's ollie wines having 40 touches and two goals or you know travis boke you know deep um forward entry late in the quarter hits dixon on the on the chest or you know like it's just relying on these individual moments to you know they kind of stay in the game without being like belted and then they rely on these individual moments to get them over the line. They're winning, so it probably doesn't matter too much. But, I mean, it's potentially one of the reasons why they struggle against top teams when the pressure really comes and you can't keep yourself in the game. Yeah. And those individual moments of brilliance are really only just going to make the margin four goals instead of five goals. Yeah. Um, and there, and- are, there are some players that aren't in their side consistently at the moment due to injury um that will make that difference longer term um Dersma, butters rosie are the three players that can add that spark and be that plan b and kick that other goal that you need um that they can break the back of that but the scary thing is at the moment is that these guys are now missing a lot of games through injury at 21 22 Yep. yep and and you know is that because they played so much when they were younger? Or is it, you know, three years in, this is where the toll hits and, you know, we get them right and they'll be all right from here? Or are they chronic injuries they're developing? You know, it, it'll be interesting. But um, probably the big one for me in terms of the ugly, and, and look, you can you can probably level it against a lot of clubs, but I was really shocked with Port Adelaide considering they just have, you know, they've got a super amount of members and, um very well supported, but they um they're twelve million in debt. Like that's 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 up there with like the Brisbane Lions. Yeah. Um. And last year they took a four million dollar hit, um, from COVID. So that obviously really really hurt them. But clearly, um, clearly they rely heavily for their finances on game day, as a lot of look a lot of AFL clubs do. But those alternative sources of revenue, um, which is you know, where the whole gambling stuff has come from um, is, you know, it's really, really um, important that they, I guess, try and find alternative sources of revenue for themselves that hopefully aren't gaming because it's uh, – diversification is is de-risking your your business. And, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of clubs now – are looking to do that, um, you know, whether it be by a netball team like a few of the AFL clubs have, or you know, just 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 stretching it out um, and having a few different elements. So I think for Port, 
Um, that's a real concern for me. They say they've got a plan to get themselves back on track. The current lockdowns and schedule impacts and everything will not be helping that. Um, but hopefully it's a bit more of a normal season. Um, and I guess at least the positive is that I believe that the loan they would have got would have probably been from the AFL. But that also means that the AFL, per what we were told last year in the media, means the AFL has a bit more influence over the club. Yeah, than... put, put, put key people in charge and um, say no and yes to certain things. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah. Which is not where a person like Koshy or Port Adelaide as a, as a proud football club would want to be. Well, there's like a potential solution um, is that they just need to have the cash cow turn up at a different, port, a different Port Adelaide person's house each time, constantly giving the the, the, um, the club $10,000 um, every week for 52. That's, we're cutting the debt there. That's 500000 yeah. extra. Five hundred twenty extra thousand dollars to cut off that debt. So yeah, there's just some the, ideas. Have the choice to either keep the money or donate it to the club. Yeah, yeah. Right. Under under like someone standing there intimidatingly forcing <laughs> you to donate it every time. But it's um yeah, look. These are just the kind of plans that you come up with on a podcast that you might not come up with in a boardroom that yeah. they, they should be considering. It's um, all right. You can call us for more ideas later, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Let's move right. move on to off contract, mate. Um, re- reel them off, and yeah. I'll um I'll cut them down. I'll sign them up. All right, Boyd Woodcock. Uh, give him a year. Um, I think he might have some value on the trade market just because small forwards seem to have value on the trade market. Reminds me of Loney a few years back. Um, yeah. but other than that, yeah, maybe a year. Okay, Hamish Hartlett. My favourite um, option, which is the old one-year rookie Aussie list, um, I not not really sold. I think you had probably stronger feelings on this one. Yeah, look, I, I, I just you know watching him play, he's lost a lot. Um, I think look, he's a he's a champion of the club, so give him the option. But I think if I was the list manager, I'd probably be looking to move him on. Um, yeah, I think I think athletically, even just because of the amount of injuries he's had over a period of time, he's over thirty now as well. He's actually probably fallen behind someone like Trent McKenzie, um, who doesn't have to play the same role, but has the power boot, um, and that's what Hartlett used to be, and probably well, yeah, all he is now. He's, I mean, you know, you look through their list, and it's, you know, guys like Carl Amon, Miles Bergman, um, Lena, these sorts of guys, are, or even. You know, th- these sorts of guys are playing those roles. So yeah, Bergman. Bergman's the best example. Like he's what Hartlett was when he was young. Maybe not as good as Hartlett was when he was drafted, um, but that's the role that he was intended to play. Run and boom. Yeah. Um, Jackson Mead. Uh, give me a year. Lost his first year to the first set of lockdowns with COVID. So give me a year. Yeah, I'm actually probably giving him two, but yep. Um, Jared Leanett. Um, just speak about him. Yeah, I'd give, I'd give him a year. Um, he's been better this year than previous years, but he's still a guy who plays 10 to ten to 13 games a year, so needs to prove himself eventually. Yeah, I was thinking that one plus one. So, um, Joel Garner? Uh, probably D-list for me. Um, just hasn't been able to prove it. Um, he's been there for four years, probably long enough. Yep. Um, Kane Farrell? Uh, one to two. He's been pretty handy when he's played. Maybe a little bit similar to Lean It, but younger. 
um, that he's played that like 10 games a year for a couple of years now and hasn't fully nailed down a spot. But I think that he's probably one to two years. One, maybe yeah. one plus one again, like what you were saying with Leanit. Yeah, I think you treat them both the same kind of thing. Probably my personal preference would be Leanit over Farrell, but that's all right, yeah, Marty. And, I, and, Marty I'm, f- and I'm Farrell over Leanit. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's it much of muchness, I think. Yeah. Um, Martin Frederick. Frederick. Um, one to two um, or one plus one, similar to Mead. Um, I've liked his dash. Uh, I love his handballs. Um, so I'd like, like to see him a bit more. He's a type of player that I think Port can use. Yeah, he gets on his bike, doesn't he? And they, they certainly could do with players that really dash like that. They don't have anyone else with wheels on the halfback line. They've got people with massive boots, but not many with wheels. Yeah. Uh, Riley Bonner, speaking of a big boot. Yeah. Um, for me, he's probably a, a trade deal list. Um, and if nothing comes in a year, he's been on the list for six years and hasn't really been able to string together many games. Um, well, he's been reinvented as a tagging midfielder this year, I think. Um I don't know. He's just one of those ones that teases, isn't he? Yeah, I guess six years on the list. I mean, I wouldn't be adverse to throwing it out there, seeing if there's a market for him. Yeah, Um, I think that a club might take him. That's why I think I'd probably look at trading him. Um, But you won't get much back. But it's it's still it's a good way to part. Like get a pick, get a future third or future fourth round pick, something like that, so that you can just clear your minds. But and he might work out elsewhere, which is, I guess, the hardest thing with these T's players is that they've got it. They've got enough there that you keep them on your list. Um, I guess that's my one of my favorite things to do is to not favorite. This is not a, not a nice thing to say. One of the things that I feel like I see more clearly is that those players need to be cut to free up the rest of your side. You need more play. You need more players to run through there. For me, yeah. Like the role that he was playing, which was halfback, and the role that you're saying that he is playing, which is tagging, um, roll through the midfield, uh, are roles that they have other players who, when not injured, should be playing in those roles. Yeah. I mean, he's played 60 games. He's 24. So, yeah, he's had, yeah, he's had good opportunity. But he, I guess, yeah, I, I think it's interesting that clubs don't like guys who potentially have a stigma or have been kind of caught or, you know, I don't know how to put it. Like I don't, clubs just for a long time hold on to the capital they've invested rather than um, looking at going, okay, well, the best thing is move on and, you know, we both move on. This guy's not going to be as successful at our club as he might be able to be elsewhere and you just got to cut it. You just got to cut your losses there. Yeah. All right, Robbie Gray. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think he'll go on. Yeah, um, Robbie makes up his own mind here. Um, he, he might have he might have already told the media that he's who's going on. They just haven't agreed to a deal yet. Yeah, uh, Sam Mates. Um, depends a bit on how the off season plays out, but given that they don't have many draft picks, they'd probably give him one year. Or I'd delist him. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, I think it's. Uh... Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I would delist him and try to find somebody else as a delisted free agent to try because I, yeah. I don't, I don't think that he's going to be consistently best twenty-two. Yeah, yeah, I think that's probably fair. Um, yeah, I could see it going both ways. Uh, Stevie Motlop, give me a year. He's been yeah. handy. Yeah, been very handy this season. Uh, Taj Schofield, uh, 
a year or deal list. Um, I think he's a rookie. So I reckon I reckon you just give him a year on the rookie yeah, list. Given yeah, that, young yeah. enough. And it's and it's been ruined again. So yeah, uh, Rocky, we've talked about, but what are you doing? Probably retiring. Um, maybe delisting. He, I think he sort of talked about maybe going on for a year. Um, look, maybe. Um, but I, I think that you would have to be offering him minimum um, minimum money, uh, and then he's probably worth a year. Yep. Uh, Trent Burgoyne. I probably delist. Um, hasn't sort of shown that he's up to the level yet. He's pretty small. Um, I, I think that he's probably just not going to make it. Yep. Um, Tyson Goldsack. And can can he run around again as the coach? Well, maybe. There's yeah, maybe if he's just going to be a coach, um, and the AFL will allow you to do it. Um, but if maybe they'll um crack down on the fact that he's not a legitimate threat of getting a game. Um, <laughs> well, he's not. Um, but I mean, maybe a year. Um, uh, but I'd probably say dear list or retire. Yeah. No. Fair call. Um, all right, so trade and draft, what's missing? I think we've kind of touched on it a little. So um, I think oh, – no, we didn't ac- We didn't actually say it in the bad. We didn't. Um, I, I, yeah, I sort of skipped yeah. over it. Um, but one of the things that I had in the bad, which I skipped over, was that I feel like there's too many um, one-paced players um, or players that don't have a good step or that are pacey. And to use a basketballing structure that you can set your team up like, uh, I would say that they need to target players that are good at pace and space. Um, people that are good inside or outside, but either works. Um, wingers, um, guys that are good at getting to the outside and burning down the wings. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I mean, we, I'm sure every team could do the. Sam Walsh, but you know that's kind of the player style we're talking about. Someone who who can affect the contest on the inside if needed, but you know is certainly um, able to get outside and and really move the ball for them. Um, I think you know when you look at it, you go you know Wines, Boak, Sam Powell, Pepper, Drew, you know these sorts of guys, and without Gray rotating through that midfield and Rosie being injured and you know all that, you just really do see that you know the midfield's a little bit one-dimensional at the moment. Um, and getting those other players back will improve it, but I still think they need this style of player. And potentially a guy like Butters um, could play that role um, with a bit more size. Um, but yeah, I think at the moment, yeah, they don't really have it. The other one we've said is is a running defender. So what we're meaning with that is probably more an explosive pace defender rather than just pure running. I think they've got guys that can run. It's more, you know, that um, I think you used the Adam Saad as a, as a good example um, of the type of player that could potentially assist um, in, you know, I guess really making the most of their, their key forwards while they've got them. Um, you want to bring the ball in hot and fast. Um, and having guys that take the lines on um, with the feet as well as the um, as well as the shoe is important. So um, they, I think we identified before, they've got a lot of guys with good long kicks. So you know, Lena and Bergman can, you know, from sixty meters out, just put it in wherever they need to inside the forward fifty. Um, get great penetration on the kick. Um, both of them hit them low and hard, and they both, you know, can run 
really well. Yeah. But neither of them are just explosive and, and break a line for you unless they're kind of out. Um, so it really then comes down to your structure, enabling them to get out rather than allowing for them to, to take the game on. And I guess when you look at the way Melbourne plays, like Jaden Hunt isn't the best kick. He's, you know, makes some silly decisions and everything, but his pace is something that Melbourne really lacked off the half-back line that other sides had. So that's why they've put him back there because he can just explode and when he gets it right, it's a goal. Or a yeah. key, it's, a, it's a shot on goal. So yeah. um, I feel that that's definitely something they need. So um, they got a lot of trade bait. Um, one of them at the bottom there is controversial, so I'll talk about that one. But you can walk us through them, Johnny. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it's something that people have talked about for a couple of years now, Sam Palpepper. Um, he's not a bad player. He's not an excellent player either. He probably sits in most clubs' best 22 but there are some clubs that need him more than Port do um, and they need to create more space in their field for midfield rotations for players with different skill sets than him. Um, so he's probably a easy one that's probably worth a little bit on the trade market that they should throw out. Um, Bonner Woodcock, um, obviously I talked about both earlier as players that could potentially net third, fourth round picks depending on a club's interest. And Sam Hayes, um, if you're wanting to get a bit of value, he's been talked about for a couple of years. Clubs are always looking to bolster their ruck stocks. He's probably worth a second-round pick, even though he hasn't been playing football. Um, rucks just seem to – well, more experienced rucks just seem to be worth a bit more. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do think Hayes would be handy for a lot of clubs. Um, and then, yeah, the one I'm thinking um, if they want to go for now – is, is Todd Marshall. He's got currency. He's got, you know, I think he probably nets you a, a, a later, like a teens first rounder. Um, he's obviously shown he can kick goals and can play as a key forward, but his consistency is just lacking. And, you know, if you've only got one or two more years left of, of um, Boak Wines and Dixon in decent form together, Marshall's the sort of player that, you know, potentially you can shake loose a a, um, a 28, 29-year-old uh, high-potential player that you, you're needing, um, high-performing player probably at that age. But, you know, um, off the top of my head, I can't really – I didn't really put any thought into who that would be, but um, or maybe, you know, have a dip at Luke Parker or something. I don't know. Um, just, just it would enable you to be able to target the – I guess the player that should get you over the line for competing in a grand final if you're close. So probably if if you're not if you don't make if you don't make the top four or you don't make the prelims, you're probably not looking at that. But um, yeah, I think it's probably one worth thinking. Um, looking at the current draft picks, uh, they've got their their own round uh, round one draft pick, which is pick 15 at the moment. Um, they've traded out their second and third. They've got uh, a couple of like thirds and I think they got a, no, they got two fourths, I think from last year. So um, obviously they've really only got one pick coming in. So, um, you know, trading is going to be a way for them to get back in um, or, or they could potentially hold and, and um, just roll with it. Um, looking through the trade and free agency list, we've got a pretty extensive one, um, and I reckon you'll probably figure out the types of players we're looking at. Um, 
but talking to about those inside outside mids with a bit of pace so i think he i'm not sure if he he has resigned Zach, yeah, we're looking yeah at Zach, Zach. Zach, Zach Barrett's re-signed. I mean, he's yeah. one of the players that was out of contract that we were looking at. But looking at the another player that we know is out of contract, like a Jack Billings, is a, probably a really good fit for the balance of their side in terms of what we're saying, people that want to get to the outside. Um, the hard thing for Port is just they probably have to clear some cap to get him. Um, I mean, there's been mentioned that they have cap space, that may be due to the fact that Rockcliffe is coming towards the end of his deal. And, and Motlop's deal's ending as well. Motlop's deal. So they might be recontracting a few of those older guys and freeing up some cash to go after, after somebody. But he's someone that they could totally go after that fits that really well. I'd love I'd love him to just really rattle the cage down in Geelong and, and go, throw after, a, go yeah. after Cam Guthrie. Cam, look, honestly, if you're talking about one player that, you know, at, at kind of that age that, I'd pick for them as Cam Guthrie. I think he would be just a lovely fit for their midfield. Um, yep. And if you've got the cap space, I'd go rattle rattle the cage and see if you can shake him loose because, um, you know what, Geelong's probably got this year and next year. You you potentially have got a lot longer. You might be able to sell the five-year vision to him. Um, I reckon, I mean, look, there's a few that we've gone through the off contracts and there's just a few players, um, you know, Guys like Adam Chera, if you could get yourself in the conversation there, he'd be great. It'd cost you a lot, but, you know, he's the sort of player you could do. Um, Sam Flanders hasn't re-signed yet. I think he probably will, but, again, would be a handy little pickup for you um, to develop with your, your young cores there yeah. as well. Maybe not immediate impact. Shia Bolton. Um, it's a pretty good I, fit. Yeah, I love that fit. I really do. So um, that there's a, there's a type of player in this. I mean, I think that when we talk about Billings, Guthrie, Chera, I'll take Flanders out for the time being. Bolton, Dill Stevens, Ed Richards, Jordan Clark, all of those players are players that have that pace and space. They they know how to get into space and run. Yeah, and I probably I mean probably out of them. Dill Stevens and Ed Richards, I'd probably leave sit off to the side, probably a bit more. Not really immediate impact. I think Clark could really impact for them. He'd fit fit yeah. them quite nicely. He'd probably a bit more outside than we're looking, but still, you know, I think he has the ability to play inside. I just really love the fit of Bolton and Guthrie, actually. The more we talk through, I just think those two... Yeah, maybe, it, maybe get the checkbook out and, and go for it. If you got the checkbook to do so, yeah. And I mean, I think that... Um, in the case of Guthrie, um, Billings, they're free agents. Port have shown a bit of a want to go after those free agents where they don't have to trade picks for them, which is pretty smart. Um, and potentially, like when I say Dill Stevens, Ed Richards, um, Jordan Clark, uh, it's because you could potentially get those guys for your first pick. Um, which is you'd be trading it for a second, third year player. Um, and they've had a few second year, third year players contribute um pretty well. So I don't think I don't think Ed Richards would cost you fifteen, but no, 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 that's what I mean. You'll be able to get them for like a round, like you would have to because they've got no other currency. They'd have to give up that or a future second round pick or something. Yeah. Um, other guys who could be cheaper, um, Sydney Stack, I think actually fits them surprisingly well. More because I see him longer term as a pacey, tough midfielder. 
So he's fast and actually good on the inside, um, inside and outside in the midfield, um, rather than seeing him as a defender. Um, and um, call Ireland, uh, see if Conor McKenna wants to come back. <laughs> We're wheeling off the halfback flank. That's yeah, you, we know you said that you wanted to play forward, but how about come and join your <laughs> come join your old mate Raz um, and play on the halfback line. I like it outside the box. Um, on to I guess NGAs. Look, they've got a bunch of NGA kids. Don't know much about them, if I'm honest. Um, didn't see many of the names crop up in. I don't. I don't think I found any of them in the under 19s list. Yeah, um, for, so, for South but, Australia. Yep. Yeah, for South Australia. So uh, look, they could potentially. A couple of them could have a run, but yeah. Um, well, at least off the NGA. The NGA lists are really hard to find, just quietly. Are um, they? Yeah, I've, I've really struggled, but I've, I've found a place where I kind of have, it looks to be reasonably accurate, but I'm not 100% sure on that data. But um, at the draft, look, 15, we've kind of listed out style of player that we think they need. Um, and so just looking at the draft, uh, I guess the player that stands out to me in that mould is probably Tyler Zonzi. So um, I've listed him as the dream player. He's probably going to go before 15, if we're honest. But he has, I think, had a niggle recently, which may see him slide a little. So, um, otherwise, uh, a couple of guys to keep an eye on. So, Sam Butler, Neil Erasmus, and Campbell Chesser. Uh, I think Butler probably fits the best out of them. Um, there's also um, Arlo Draper is another one who could potentially work for them. We had a bit of a chat about him before, and I guess the reason for leaving him off initially is just... Um, I feel like they've kind of got a very similar type of player uh, or we've got one or two similar types of players on their list already. Um, and I do have a little concern on his size personally, but yeah, it's not the, it's not the ruling out factor, but it does come into that factor there. So um, certainly some good options there for them. Um, you know, Zonzi, if they can, otherwise a guy like Butler would do very well for them. So yeah, um, yeah. What about you? What would would you do at the draft? Yeah, I mean, I I think that I would trade my pick. Like, I mean, that probably goes into what my final words would be. Um, is that uh, I would trade that first round pick if I was Port this year, um, not for an old player. So, the, I think the right thing for Port to do is continue with the model that they started implementing four years ago. Go target a free agent even if it's not the most desirable free agent. I mean, in this case, I'm saying most desirable would be uh, that you get Cam Guthrie. Um, but even if you get Jack Billings, um, he still fits that best 22 team. Um, definitely locked him in for the next three to four years in that inside-outside role um, or on the high half-forward flank, allowing you to put more time into Butters and Rosie going through the middle. When I say trade that pick, I mean... See if you can turn it into Dill Stevens, Jordan Clark, um, someone that can provide you with wheels um, on that back line to be able to fix issues with young players. So not deviating away from the original strategy, which is allow older players to circulate out of the side when they get to the end of their career retiring. Ebert left last year um, doing that thing and replace them with good young players. Keep doing that same model because... Dill Williams isn't far away from being a good player. Um, Jackson Mead is on the fringes as well. I think that they have enough there to cover the older players without needing to go down that full older player route. Um, but just spend your money 
wisely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, to be honest, much the same. I, I don't think they should deviate their list build. I think what they've done, it'll be an interesting conversation, like I said before, because you can see clubs who, who have gone and tilted it um, the other way. Um, I, I think you and I probably think very alike, um, part of why we do the podcast. So um, I definitely would tilt towards youth. Um, I would look for, like you said, like that kind of um, get a free agent to support the now. Um, if you have to trade for someone, um, it should be someone young. So someone probably sub 24 um, to fit your list. Um, so going forward, so it means that yeah, it probably costs you you pick 15, um, if you could shake loose a, a Shire Bolton, um, it's worth it every day of the week. Yeah. Um, but that said, yeah, Cam Guthrie would be a great one if you have to roll out the checkbook. I don't think there's an issue with a player like him. Um, Billings, um, again, look, to be honest, he, he's probably one that, you know, St Kilda would be split on. They probably don't want to lose him, but they're probably not too fussed either way. I think we covered that in the St Kilda podcast. He, we did, like, yeah. Ideally, you keep him and he ends up being a great player because you've already paid for him. So it's the same as going to the free agency table and buying him there. So ideally, you keep him, but they won't fight too hard if you make him a good offer. Yeah, exactly. So... Um, yeah, and then a few of the other ones that we've put in there, they're obviously a bit speculative, but yeah, like a Shire Bolton or, or Jordan Clark would be excellent um, as well. So just, I guess, yeah, just maintaining what's worked for you the past few years. Um, and, and look, you know, as we said before, you know, five picks inside of the top 20 have played, you know, pretty much 90% of your games under 22. Um, so you see how valuable they are. So if you've got to pick 15, you got to be bringing in someone who's going to be playing yep like that that many games because we know your record at the draft <laughs> is excellent so yep. it's you know you're going to the draft whoever you're picking at 15 is probably going to play you know over the next few years going to play about 30 or 40 games for you yeah well so you, you you're really like you're saying do I want the next butters the next georgiatis um like they're, they're all players that were taken around 15 or after. So do you want that? Bergman, Dersma, 14. Bergman, Dersma. Do you want the next one of those or are you willing to trade it? So you're probably only willing to trade it for a player that you think is around the same and you can win with them right now or better. Um, yeah. So go do that. Um, we'll go and rest. Um, <laughs> you had a late night last night. Um, but thanks. You look pretty tired. <laughs> I'm wrecked as well. Um, but thanks again for listening, um, everyone. Always lovely to chat with you and um, look forward to chatting with you again very shortly. All the yep, best next... during the lockdowns. Yeah, absolutely, guys. Keep safe. Um, stay strong. Reach out if you if you need to um, and don't be afraid to lean on, on your friends. Um, and as well as that, we're up Geelong next. So get excited, Cats fans. Um, we've already had a bit of a look at your list in a bit of a – uh, error in planning today so we're probably we're, more, prepared we're ahead of than schedule. <laughs> more prepared than we normally are so um yeah stay safe guys and and yeah and look we look forward to the next podcast and thank you john and go get some sleep buddy you too bro i'll see you later bye if you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen you're not alone one in four australians will experience anxiety no one anxiety is talking Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.